910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth, with hosts Chris Paxson and Rose Spiller. At Proverbs 910 Ministries, we are dedicated to taking out the trash of false teaching and replacing it with biblical truth. Welcome back. Chris, today we're going to talk about a subject that most Christians would consider is pretty black and white, and that's lying. Yeah, most people would say that it's a black and white situation. If you are a Christian, you don't lie, yet every one of us has been guilty of lying or at least fudging the truth. And we've been in all situations where we fibbed about something or that we've done something to save someone's feelings. So Rose, if it's so black and white, why do we struggle with it? Maybe because while it's black and white in theory, in reality, it isn't so cut and dry. And since that's the case, and since lying is something everyone deals with, probably pretty often, we decided we need to delve deeply into it. So let's start by taking a look at what the world around us has to say about lying. I'm going to quote an article from Psychology Today that says, we tell lies all the time. A 2002 study performed by psychologist Robert Feldman at the University of Massachusetts found that 60% of the people lied at least once during a 10-minute conversation, telling an average of two to three lies. The tendency to lie is deeply rooted in our evolutionary history as other primates have been observed to cheat and deceive. Human children pick up this crafty behavior between the ages of two and five, and it is seen by some psychologists as a milestone of cognitive growth. So lying, according to this PhD psychologist, is a milestone in cognitive growth? (laughs) Yeah. Let's quote a different article on lying, still psychology today, but written by a different PhD. He says, lies are like wishes. Often what is said are things people wish were true. So, Chris, if you lie and tell me a sweater I bought you is beautiful, when in fact you think it's hideous, what you're really saying is that you wish it were beautiful. Sounds crazy. But here's another view from psychology today, but from yet another PhD and expert online. She says, Leonardo Sachs, PhD, a polygraph expert and professor of psychology at Brandeis University, says, Lying has long been a part of everyday life. We couldn't get through the day without being deceptive. Yet until recently, lying was almost entirely ignored by psychologists, leaving serious discussions of the topic in the hands of ethicists and theologians. And gosh, who wants to leave serious issues in the hands of theologians or ethicists? (laughs) Wouldn't we all feel better letting psychologists define, interpret, and advise on all things? Oh, yeah. Especially seeing how they all have consistent views on this. That would be great. (laughs) Exactly. All right. A few more of these psychologists' views online. Here's some expansions on the opinions of a couple of the previously quoted psychologists. One says, while most people are generally honest, even those who subscribe to honesty engage in deception sometimes. Studies show that the average person lies several times a day. Some of those lies are big, like I've never cheated on you, but more often they're little white lies, like that dress looks fine. They're deployed to avoid uncomfortable situations or spare someone's feelings. Chris, it's hard to categorize someone as generally honest who lies several times a day. That's true. 
Another one of those previous psychologists said that while everyone lies a little, it appears that only a small percentage of people do most of the lying. There's evidence that prolific liars share the personality trait of Machiavellianism. They're manipulative and exploitive of others. The trait is closely related to psychopathy. So again, the experts who are lamenting that theologians and ethicists are taking on lying when they say that psychologists should be the ones to do it are again inconsistent in their views. Go figure. <laughs> Let's finish up with the worldview by looking at some other quote unquote facts about lying from the so-called experts. First, there's a difference of opinion on how to know if someone's lying to you. My husband was a police officer for 33 years. In his training and experience, there were telltale body language signs that they used to see that someone was lying. And the police and the FBI and other agencies have used these signs for many years. Just some of them are the direction your eyes shift when you're asked a question, if you move your foot a certain way before you answer, if you offer more information than required by the question, or if you rub the back of your neck while answering. Recognizing these telltale signs has been a strategy for law enforcement for many years. But now, while some psychologists say these signs are still reliable, others say they aren't. They contend that some people are so good at lying that they don't show any unusual signs, while others who may not be lying are just the nervous type and may display some of the signs, even when they're being completely honest. And here's a couple of opinions on why people lie and the classification of lies. One psychologist says a large body of research identifies three major reasons why people lie, to get something they want, to protect or promote themselves, and to harm others. Avoiding punishment may be the main motivation for both children and adults. Another says there's four types of liars. There's the deceitful liar, those who lie to others about facts. There's the duplicitous liar. That's someone who lies to others about their values. Then there's the delusional liar. That's someone who lies to themselves about the facts. And finally, the demoralized liar. That's someone who lies to themselves about values. Well, do a couple more here. An article in Time Magazine said this, researchers say there is a lot we get wrong about deception, truth-telling, and trust, and that if mastered, lying the right way can actually help build connections, trust, and businesses. I believe that we should be teaching our kids, students, and employees when and how to lie, says Maurice Schweitzer, a professor at Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, who studies deception and trust. They go on to say pro-social, I'm not sure what that is, but pro-social lies, fibs intended to benefit others, can actually build trust between people, according to research. Just remember, lies are most beneficial when they're not selfish. That's end quote. And we'll wrap it up with a psychologist that kind of backs up what you said from that Wharton professor. She says lies that knowingly inflict harm are widely regarded as immoral, but sometimes lying is done for good purposes. People may lie to protect others. So-called altruistic lies, such as when a doctor tells a family that the father died a peaceful death when in fact he didn't, some lies are told to help people achieve their goals, such as when a spouse tells a dieting partner that there's no sweets in the house. Many ethicists believe that lies that committed to benefit others should be seen as justified and that a certain amount of deception 
may be necessary for maintaining a healthy functioning society. Well, that's a lot of information and a good bit of it wasn't even consistent. So what is the truth about lying, Rose? Is there ever a time where lying is a better alternative to the truth? Do people who lie fall into neat categories like we described? Is lying just a part of our genetic makeup? Rose, we've got a lot of work to do. So let's start by shedding some biblical truth on all of it. Well, first, let's define why lying is a sin to begin with. Jesus calls himself truth in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the manifestation of truth. Because Jesus is truth itself, anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus needs to follow by walking in truth. Like all sin, lying is a rebellion against God because we're writing our own rules. We're playing God in our life by deciding what we'll do and what we won't do. Psalm 12, 2-6 reinforces this. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts, those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us. Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. So, Chris, that does seem pretty black and white. But what about those instances where telling a harmless little white lie will save someone's feelings? What about times lying is a safety issue? So we're going to get to those answers. But let's start by breaking down lying. Now, lying is lying. But there's three different ways people can lie. We can lie to God, we can lie to ourselves, or we can lie to others. Chris, are all these lies equal? Well, you would think we would start by going to the Ten Commandments on this, but we're not going to, at least not yet, because the commandment about lying is not actually worded the way many people think. But more on that shortly. Let's start with the easiest one, that's lying to God. What does the Bible say about lying to God, and is that ever okay? Well, first, obviously, it's impossible to lie to God. Yeah, and have him not know something. (laughs) That's right. And we should point out that every sin is ultimately against God. So you can argue that any kind of lying is lying to God. But we're talking about directly lying to God. What does that mean? And is that a more serious sin to lie directly to God than to lie to ourselves or to others? Like you said, all sin is ultimately against God. And all sin is equally damning in God's eyes. However, there are definitely sins that are more serious due to their nature and their consequences. While all sin is against God, any sin that's directed at God is definitely the most serious of all offenses. As Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And lying to God would be considered mocking him for sure. So how does one lie to God? There's a perfect example in Acts chapter five, pretty familiar story. Early on in the church, people were selling off property and belongings and bringing the money to the apostles to put in the treasury. There was a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, that sold a field. Ananias brings the money to Peter and Acts five, one to five says, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. 
And with the wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Yeah, Ananias' sin was not that he kept some of the money from selling the field for himself. His sin was that he said he was dedicating all the money he got from the field to the church to God, when in fact he wasn't. As Peter said, he lied to God. Later, his wife came in and Peter asked her if they had indeed donated all the money they received from the field. She could have told the truth, but she too lied and said that they did. Peter says in Acts 5, 9 to 10, but Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. So, like we said, obviously you can't lie to God, but you can lie about the things of God to make yourself look good before others. Ananias and Sapphira wanted others to think that they were selfless and gave all the money they received for the field to God. That would be comparable to your pastor preaching about the sin of adultery when he's actually having an affair. Right. Proverbs 12, 22 spells this out. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. This proverb isn't saying that people won't lie. It's saying how seriously God takes lying, especially lying that's done to mock God, like telling people you're trusting in the sovereignty of God, but you daily check your horoscope to see what the day is going to hold for you, or saying that you're a Christian. You proudly tithe weekly when actually you don't, or Chris, to make it personal, it would be like you and I telling people all the time, read and study your Bible because that's how you gain understanding of God. But the truth is we never actually read and study our Bible ourselves. We would be guilty of lying to God in that case. All of these examples are lies that mock God and they're equivalent to lying to God. And while it's a forgivable sin, most of us aren't going to drop dead on the spot when we do it. It's an extremely serious sin that shows our hearts. And if it persists, it should make us wonder if we're truly a Christian. Okay, so how about lying to yourself? Is this a victimless lie? And how does one even lie to themselves? Well, BibleReasons.com shows ways that people deceive themselves. They say there are many ways you can deceive yourself and believe what you're doing is right. Many Christians deceive themselves by thinking they can't stop a certain sin, but truly they just don't want to stop a certain sin. Many people deceive themselves by believing something bad is good. They go out of their way to find a false teacher who will justify their sin when the Bible and their conscience says no. The bottom line is we lie to or deceive ourselves like all sin, we want to be our own God. We just find excuses to make it not look like what it actually is, which is sin. Right. Proverbs 30, 20 says, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. 
sometimes we tell ourselves that what we're doing isn't actually wrong. God didn't actually mean something the Bible says. It was either mistranslated or was something that was meant for ancient times. Nowhere do we see this more blatantly than today in Christians and churches that condone and even ordain homosexuals as pastors. They'll give you all kinds of reasons why those verses stating homosexuality is a sin don't apply to today. Their excuses are like Jesus himself never said homosexuality is a sin. Or when Paul or Moses talk about it, what they meant was that sex between the same sex outside of a committed relationship is a sin. And I could go on. But what's really going on here is that these people are deceiving themselves. Yeah. And one that often gets talked about is living together outside of marriage. People ask advice on Christian sites, wanting people to okay what they're doing. And they actually get mad when the truth is spoken to them. James says in James 4, 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. We've often said that we can't expect the unbelieving world to behave as Christians because they don't know any better and we shouldn't expect them to. Right. They are blinded to the truth of scripture. However, we should certainly expect those who do know the truth to act accordingly. When we don't, it's sin. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Yeah, so in a nutshell, once you've been shown the truth by the Holy Spirit, you're obligated to keep that truth. If you're a professing Christian saying, for example, that homosexuality isn't a sin because Jesus didn't actually address it himself, when in fact, Jesus is the manifestation of God's word, and as God, Jesus approves of every word of scripture, you're lying to yourself, and that lie is sinful. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit opens up scripture to us. That's called special revelation. He helps us to understand the Bible, but we have to do our part by studying it and making sure we're interpreting it correctly. As 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And this is a no-brainer, but... Of course, it's never okay to lie to yourself. In fact, if you pray for God to show you truth in something that you're believing in that is actually a sin, he'll do it. When we sincerely pray for godly wisdom and knowledge to know God and his word better and then apply ourselves to doing just that, that's a prayer that he'll answer in the affirmative. That's what the verse, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open, found in Matthew 7, 7 to 8, are all about. Amen to that. Okay, on to lying to others. This is definitely the most complex of the three. And for this, we are going to go to the Ten Commandments. Almost all of us know the commandment, thou shalt not lie. But the actual wording of that commandment in Exodus 20, 16 is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Deuteronomy 5, the other place where the Ten Commandments are found, uses the same wording. So it would seem that the commandment is about lying to and about others. And this makes sense since the first four commandments transition into the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the last six transition into the other commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And there's other verses that talk about lying to others. Ephesians 4, 25 to 27 and 29 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, 
for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs that they may benefit those who listen. So this verse tells us that lying to others is not only a sin, but it's destructive and it gives the devil a foothold. And it sure does. The devil is the father of lies. He got to Eve by lying to her about what God had said. He gets to us by taking a thin thread of truth and then wrapping it in lies. So when we lie to each other, we're just playing into his hands. Here's what the ultimate guide to liars and lying says. It's hard to respect people who don't respect themselves. And as we've seen, failing to live with integrity is a way of disrespecting ourselves. It's also hard to trust the word of people who don't take their own words seriously or to entrust responsibility to people who don't respect their own agency. And Luke 16.10 would back this view up. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who's dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If we're known to lie, even about little things, how can we possibly expect people to trust us with big things? How can we expect God to trust us with big things? But what about lying to save someone's feelings? Is that the same as other lying? Chris, I'm going to toss you a few examples. What if someone spent all day cooking for you and the meal was awful and they ask you, how was it? Is it okay to lie and say it was fabulous? Or if you're out with your friend and she asks if the dress makes her look fat and it does, but you're already out and there's no chance she can change, do you lie and say she looks great? Does the ninth commandment come into play in these and other little situations? Well, before I answer those directly, I'll start by quoting an article on lying that uh, 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia put out. It said, the Bible, and in this case, the ninth commandment, turns out to be more sophisticated than we often think. We don't need to reinterpret according to modern sensibilities, but rather to obey it in spirit and truth according to what it says. Therefore, we should not quickly or easily discount the many lies we speak according to some flippant situational ethic. Our problem is not that the law is not flexible enough to meet our real world situations, but rather that our hearts are deceitful, that we so seldom want the truth to be known that as Paul says of us, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, Romans 3.13. Far from thinking of situations in which we may excuse the impulse to untruth that is so deeply ingrained on our hearts, we should ask God for a new heart for his spirit to work his own character into us, including a deep and abiding love for truth so that we might do his will in every situation. That's some great information. And I would absolutely agree that instead of making God's word fit our life, we need to make our life fit God's word. And we absolutely do not want to lie or hedge at all on anything that is of consequence. But how do we practically stay truthful without totally crushing someone's feelings about inconsequential things? I think the key is at the end of that quote. Ask God for a new heart, for his spirit to work his own character into us. Do you think God's more concerned with someone's talent for cooking, getting back to your question, 
or is he more concerned with the motivation behind the cooking? When Jesus walked the earth, do you think Jesus cared if the food someone put before him was tasty or was he instead focused on the heart that had prepared it? We don't need to lie in situations like you asked about. We just need to change our focus. Going back to the examples you gave, how can we change our focus so that our answer both honors God and truth and it doesn't destroy someone we love's feelings? Well, what if I answered your friend, the lousy cook, when she asked you if you like the meal by saying, I can't believe you went to all this trouble for me. You put out a beautiful meal and I really appreciate it. I see what you did. And I love that. You're right. That answer is much more honest and it gets to the heart of the matter. Your friend did work hard to cook for you. And as a good friend yourself, you should eat every bite of it, not focusing on how lousy it tastes, but that someone thought so much of you, they prepared a meal for you. And even if your friend made hot dogs, the meal is beautiful because of the heart that prepared it. Okay, Chris, let's apply this to the other example. We're out and I ask you <laughs> if I look fat in a dress I'm wearing and I have no chance to go change it. And I do look fat. How are you going to answer me honestly without sending me to the ladies' room crying and hiding myself? As much as I can't see you running and crying <laughs> in the ladies' room, no matter what, <laughs> it's the same as the cooking question. Instead of answering the service question, answer the heart issue, which is so much more important anyway. You know, I would look you in the eye and say, you're beautiful. You are beautiful, not only outside, but inside. And I want everyone to understand, we aren't saying pour on false flattery. That's lying too. What we are saying is cooperate in your sanctification and growing your new heart by focusing on the things that Jesus focuses on. God doesn't want us to lie, but he also doesn't want us to unnecessarily be harsh or cruel with our words. And we won't be if we're looking at what really matters. When we change our focus, there are so many things that we may lie about, and now we won't have to anymore. And that works for answering questions too. Who hasn't lied at one point or another when someone says, how are you? But Chris, when we change our focus and focus on the things of God, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how lousy a day we're having, we can always honestly answer that question, how are you, with blessed or great or even I'm good. Because as Christians, we've had the biggest need met and our biggest problem solved. We've been forgiven and given salvation and we're no longer under God's wrath. That is great. And we it are is good. great news. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now the final question. Is it ever okay to lie? Are there situations where God says that it's okay to lie and he's okay with us lying? You may be surprised to know that the answer is yes, but it may not be for the reason that you think. It's not to spare someone's feelings or avoid a nasty or uncomfortable confrontation with somebody. In Exodus 1, 15 to 22, Pharaoh orders the Hebrew midwives to kill all the male babies when they're born. The midwives who fear God don't, and they lie to Pharaoh about why they don't, saying the Hebrew women give birth before they even get there. These midwives disobeyed and lied to Pharaoh in order to save the lives of the baby boys. Their lie was born from a fear of God, and they were rewarded for it. Exodus 1, 21 to 22 tells us, so God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Dr. R.C. Sproul says this about that passage in Exodus. We are always and everywhere obligated to tell the truth to whom the truth is due. We are to speak the truth where justice and righteousness requires the truth. 
But in this case, righteousness required deceit. Being righteous before the face of God required in this specific case that a murderer be deceived. You're not required to tell everything you know or even tell the truth if it is necessary to stop a murder. There are occasions where it would be a sin to tell the truth. And we see deceit being necessary for righteousness in a lot of places today. Closed countries where Christianity is illegal and you could be killed for it. The people living in those countries need to hear the gospel. So missionaries, doctors, businessmen, they go into the country under the guise of a humanitarian or business mission so they can witness the gospel to the people of the country. They're lying to the government and local officials about why they're really there, but they're lying because they fear God and know God commands that the gospel be taken to the ends of the earth. I totally agree. And it would be the same if we were lying to get somebody out of an abusive situation or some dangerous situation like that. Right. So anything like that type of thing. So to wrap it up, we need to be people of truth. We need to make sure that we aren't lying to God, ourselves or others, whether it's in the little things or the big things. Truth matters. As Matthew 537 says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. We need to be people of integrity, someone that others can count on to tell the truth, even if that truth is really difficult. We need to be someone who doesn't tell people what they want to hear if it isn't true. However, we also need to be someone who can see the heart of others and can answer questions honestly without crushing someone's feelings. And I, Rose, I think that's going to take practice and work. Absolutely. We're so used to just absolutely feeling whatever to to preserve feelings i think it takes a lot of work mm -hmm. and finally we need to recognize that there are circumstances where it's more god honoring to lie than to tell the truth but those situations are very few and far between for all other times we need to strive to honor god in both what we say and what we do like that matthew verse you read chris and to be a light of integrity before others 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Amen. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in. And for all of you waiting on a release date of the Bible blueprint, we are sorry, but there's been a delay. We'll let everyone know the date as soon as we know the date. Right. But in the meantime, check out Chris's and my devotional on version. It's called The Gospel for Life. It's an 11-day devotional, and stay tuned for information on a Zoom Bible study we're going to be starting in the fall. Have a blessed day, everyone.